0: Morning. Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. I am, <clears throat> I am thankful to be here today, share this uh, time together in the presence of the Lord. Allowing God to continue to inspire our hearts in his truth and in his kingdom. Perhaps we could just take a moment and pray, committing our time to the Lord. Shall we bow our heads? Gracious Father, we... Quiet our hearts before you this moment again, realizing that you are the Lord and there is none like you. And today we again desire, Father, to exalt you in our midst. Father, we desire to honor you above all else here today. We desire, Father, to understand you as you desire to be understood by us as your creation. Today, Father, as we again open the scriptures, we ask that the Holy Spirit would indeed give us understanding, each of our hearts here this morning, Father, that that we would understand truth, just the way you desire it, Lord, and uh, we ask for that here today. Guide my thoughts, guide my words, may I only speak those things which are inspired by your spirit, by your word, and Father, you who understand where each of us are in life's journey. Today we pray again that the Spirit of God would minister to each heart. Meet us right where we're at, Father, and move us along in the pathway of life, in the pathway of faith, in the pathway of courage. Move us along, Lord. We commit this time to you, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right. This morning, I uh, I'd like to speak on the subject of hope. The uh, some time ago I had mentioned the gospel trio in a devotional, I believe it was uh, faith, hope, and love, and how they are. Those three concepts are often or numerous times um, found together in Scripture, faith, hope, and love. <clears throat> in fact, there's that verse in 1 Corinthians, now abide of faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of these is charity. Um, and that idea of those three mentioned together in Scripture happens numerous times. In the last message that I shared, I, we did, talked about the subject of faith. Today we're going to talk about the subject of hope. And I realize it's actually somewhat, it's somewhat difficult to actually separate them because they are inner woman very much. And yet they are, uh, they are a bit distinct, and we would like to try to uh, to to do just that. Try to look at the, at the distinctness of each one. <clears throat> I would have to say that um, I I uh, I uh, I tremble a bit. Um, at a subject like this one, because we see through a glass darkly as human beings. To understand the truth of, uh, the way God would have it be understood can be, can be a little bit uh, challenging for our human minds and human understandings to comprehend. i was uh and 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 i may i say i i tremble a bit when I sense god's hand and I sense that god is in in is in a message here he's 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 this is in fact the leading of the spirit of God and god for god in fact does have something he wants to say and to to be able to convey properly what God once conveyed is is a challenge. I thought, I, I, I considered the message, the hope, subject of hope, and I considered illustrations that Would illustrate this subject and, but all the illustrations that I was most familiar with, at least from real life, came from our own experiences. And I'd have to say I was a a bit hesitant to speak out of our own experiences. And the Lord provided an illustration. With the little uh, message, little text, that uh, paragraph that Seth read us this morning—profound illustration for the very subject that I desire to speak about. Spoke of the little boy. I don't remember the the boy's name. Sure if everyone can see that. But uh we have this illustration of this little boy who has obviously been praying for his daddy, been longing to see his daddy's life changed, and somehow in this little boy's heart and mind, he, uh, there has a faith in God developed to the point where, you know, the present, this little boy, this is where he is presently. Right here. It's now. It's today. But he is not sitting here in despair. He's not sitting here in hopelessness. In fact, the little boy is sitting here with a lively hope concerning the salvation of his father. But he's here. And the pathway ahead, until that hope is realized, is unknown. It's very unknown. And I would dare to say that every one of us could put ourselves in this box, in some area of life. Today we would like to talk about the and illustrate and and discuss the importance while we are here right now and the pathway ahead looks incredibly dark and uncertain. That we would not lose hope. But that we would understand from a biblical uh, context that God wants us to abide in hope. And that we have reason to abide in hope. That's where we want to go in today's message. That we have reason to abide in hope. I'd like to, I'd like to begin by giving a uh defining hope from the scriptures and we'll we'll begin in Hebrews 12 chapter uh, chapter 12 verse 2 Hebrews 12 and give definition to the subject of hope I'll read verse 1 to give us the context, probably verse 1 to verse 3, perhaps. uh, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who... For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, we would like to take just a moment and and recognize that this scripture here, we see Jesus in this very situation. Jesus, as, in, 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 as it's given in this scripture, and we could look at various other scriptures. But there was that point in time in Christ's life, as he as he um, uh, faced the uh, as he faced the cross as he faced the the shamefulness of the cross as he faced the uh the, the the reality that you know by all appearances his life looked like a total failure as he as he was sitting in that moment and the cross is right in front of him and he's going to die and he's going to suffer and he's going to uh, be forsaken by all that follow him, and even his father is for a time going to turn his face away from him because he is bearing the sins of humanity. and in that moment it's an incredibly difficult moment, and we see it if we went if we went to the to the gospels, we would see it uh, as he was in the garden and travailing over that over that over what was ahead of him. But it tells us here that for the joy that was set before him, he was not without hope. He had he had a confident hope, a confident expectation that as he walks this pathway, there is a bright, bright future ahead. There is a bright, bright reality that is on the other side of this difficult experience. But at that moment he was here. He was here. And that's the, uh, that's the definition of hope. From a scriptural perspective. In a moment when it seems impossible. Uh, when, in, in, a, in, in a life's uh, experiences seeming very difficult. Uh, maybe even insurmountable. Maybe... Uh, Um, you know coming up against a wall and there seems to be no way past it no way over it the door just slammed in your face you might say you thought God was uh, uh, leading in this particular direction and suddenly the door just closes right in your face and that has happened to numerous people in life's journey as they sought God and as they endeavored to walk with God and in the present suddenly many uncertainties many difficulties many uh, even wise at times but in that uh, in that situation uh, we have the example of our lord jesus who when he faced that he looked past it and he uh, he had a confident hope that carried him through even though at that moment he was facing very difficult uh, pathway ahead another biblical example would be that of uh, Abraham which is a familiar one uh, to us I believe in Romans chapter 4 we have uh, just a little glimpse into that one Romans chapter 4 verse 18 to 21 I'll, I'll read verse 17 and it's sometimes hard to know where to break in, but uh, verse 17 will begin as it is written. I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving God glory and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. And I think I'll just stop there. Uh, but we have the uh, the example given here or the, the real life experience given here of Abraham who God had told him that he would be the father of many nations. That out of his posterity there's going to arise so many as the sand of the sea. So many that they are innumerable. God had told him that and in just a very quick little... Uh, uh, search into, into some of the time frame of it all. It, it, it appears that Abraham was about around 75 years old when God first told him that, made him that promise, that he's going to be the father of many nations. His posterity is going to be huge. And that the promise was then again renewed to Abraham when he was 90 years old. So 75 to 90 is 15 years. And in that time, and I don't know what the condition of Abraham and Sarah uh, were at 75 or at 90, but uh, without a doubt, uh, it says here, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So um, God had made this promise, and I'm not sure uh, at 75 if they would have both been uh physically able to conceive and bear a child or not. Uh, but at a hundred, they weren't. Uh, it was past. Um, but Abraham didn't even take that into the equation. Abraham was sitting in a spot like this. And all he had was the Word of God. God said he was going to do it. By this time, uh, he realized that I'm past fathering my wife's passed a bearing, uh, but he didn't even bother putting that in the equation because when God says something, there's reason to hope, and the word hope here you know uh, hope as it's used here is uh, you know it's not it's not wishful thinking and it it's and there there's where we probably find it difficult sometimes to, to discern and to know what is, in our own experiences, what is actually uh, a situation where we can wait with expectation from God and God is going to sometime move and do something that is, uh, you know, beyond the natural, beyond the normal, beyond the whatever. And what is just wishful thinking on our part? And where we would just wish something could change, or where we could just wish something would happen. Uh, and I, I'm not going to take time to go into all of that, but, uh, uh without a doubt, uh, we, we want to focus this morning on the, on the, the, the idea of, uh, of as we go through life's journey, and we are in those, in that box, that, that moment that, that we, that we have That we realize there is always, always hope. God has never, there's never a situation in life where we can, uh, and and we may look at scripture later on some of this. But there's never a a situation in life where it's just hopeless. There is no such a thing with God as hopeless. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. God Deemed the first world hopeless, aside of Noah. So I've got to be careful what we say. Uh, but I think you understand what I'm saying. In your, in our situations in life, uh, we're in a bad place if we begin to chalk uh, things up as hopeless, and that we simply park in that gutter. <clears throat> So anyhow, uh, at a hundred years old, Abraham and Sarah had a son. And, uh, and we know today we look back and the descendants of Abraham are indeed innumerable. Uh, God did fulfill that promise and and Abraham is an example of hope to us in the middle of hopeless, uh, naturally speaking, would have been. Practically hopeless. Just a couple of verses here. Lamentations 3.26 says, It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And that gives us, again, uh, the picture. You know, we're here now. We don't know the journey ahead. uh, But there is always hope. There is always uh, hope. with God in the in the equation there is always hope there is always something bright to look forward to um there's always an answer somewhere around in life's journey we just don't know where we don't know when and we don't know what but there is always hope and uh I like this uh, verse says that uh, to uh hope and uh, quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord Psalm 31 Verse 24 says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. And there would be many, many other verses that we could look at regarding hope. I'd like to first, uh, uh, like to talk a bit about the, uh, the kind of the overarching hope that we have, and that is the hope of eternal life. Um, and just look at the scriptures a little bit on that, on that, uh, level. In first John two verse seventeen, the apostle John says this: he says, "And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. so we're living in this in this world, this present world um, and there's probably times when it seems fairly comfortable here and fa- fairly pleasant and fairly good and life is good and you know it it is a bit that way maybe we're sheltered uh, from a lot of the evil we're we're uh, in in many ways but as he says here that the world passes away in the lust thereof and and the uh, uh, that context there in first John is a context where uh, all that is in the world is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life and that those things are going to pass away and what we're seeing here is going to pass away and so as we live in this world, uh, Jesus made this uh, statement to his disciples, he says, in the world you shall have tribulation uh, Kind of telling us to expect it. We're, we're to expect difficulties in this world. We're living in an arrangement that's going to come to an end. It's not going to last forever. And there's a a sense in which that can be, uh, in fact, I think we, we can, uh, we can be glad it won't last forever. Because we know Uh, we see how uh, rapidly our society is moving in a godlessness. Um, Where would it go if it were just left go forever? You know, God looked at the uh, first world as it says it there in the scripture and decided that it was beyond redemption and he pulled a few out and, and destroyed the rest. And, uh, you know this old world, if left on its own, would become a very, very eventually become a a very wicked and violent place. But our hope is beyond this. Uh, he that doth the will of God abideth forever. John says, and and in uh, let's go to Titus. There's several verses we can uh, we can look at in Titus. Chapter 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. There we have a uh, the word hope and uh, in the scriptural context, in hope of eternal life. Uh, it doesn't need to be just wishful thinking. It can be a confident expectation for, for the child of God, for the one who is walking with the Lord. Uh A confident expectation that when I pass from this life, there's something to look forward to. Something much better. Something much brighter. Something much more beautiful. Uh, Titus 2.13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So, we, we're looking, uh, we're, we're expecting something, and we are expecting our Lord Jesus at some point to return. And then in chapter 3, verse 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So there's, uh, in this, in this, uh, this concept of, uh, being here now in this present world and realizing that we won't be here forever and realizing that this is not a, uh, a, not a, it's not a, this world's not my home, you know, it's, it's, the the pathway or the, uh, the the experience in this life is not without its pains and toils, but to to, to we have a hope in, in eternity. We have a hope, uh, a confident expectation of a much better world to come, and uh, that uh, we are we are far from hopeless. First Thessalonians five eight speaks about the hope of salvation. And it speaks of it as a helmet. So again, we are in this present experience and while we are in this present experience, the hope of salvation is is described to us as a helmet. As a protection. As something to be there in our hearts and in our experience that gives us courage in the moment. Even though the moment is difficult. Even though the moment might be Uncertain, even though the moment was not what we were expecting or planning for or wishing for. Even in that moment, the hope of salvation is intended to be a protection, a blessing, an encouragement. That which lifts up our hearts. That which gives us fresh courage to go on, knowing that this is only temporary. And that there is something much better in the future. So the hope of salvation is described as a helmet, something to be of a protection to us. And interestingly enough, a helmet is up here on the head, protecting the brain. You know, isn't that where the battles often take place? <laughs> you know, you find yourself in a dilemma that you weren't expecting, and, and uh, where does the battle start? Up here in the mind, you know. Hope of salvation is a helmet. <clears throat> Let's turn to Hebrews, just a few pages further. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6, verse 10 to verse 12. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have shown toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherited the promises." And so again, it's that same picture, you know, the full assurance of hope unto the end. Something at the end of the journey that, uh, uh, we can wait with expectation. We can, we can have assurance of, uh, of that better end. <clears throat> but he does warn us to not be slothful. Uh, but to be followers of those who, through faith and patience, inherited that promise and, and, and realized it. If we go down to verse eighteen of the same chapter, chapter six, that by two immutable things in which it, it, it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge, lay hope, lay hold upon the hope set before us. So there's a hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so we have a hope uh, set before us and it's an it's a, an anchor for the soul it's it's intended to be an anchor for the soul it's uh, uh it's not nothing to be ashamed about the fact that the hope of heaven is what uh part of what at least uh, a portion of what motivates us on that gives us courage gives us uh, a smile on our face when we would be tempted to be frowning or be disheartened um the hope of heaven the hope beyond this life the hope of better things to come uh god intended it to be uh, a, dr- a motivation for us, God intended it to be an anchor for our soul. God intended it to be something that uh, uh, we can get a hold of by faith, realize it by faith in our hearts and and uh, and live in its uh, in its reality, that hope, live in its reality until the hope is realized, and we are there in actuality. <clears throat> There's 1 uh, Peter, has, uh I'm afraid I'll take a little more time on this point, I should, but anyhow, 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And there again, it's it's uh, just the same idea. Uh, the apostles were not at all ashamed to declare the hope that they had uh, of heaven, of a future blessing, of a future uh, uh inheritance to look forward to something that won't fade away something that is eternal and everlasting and this verse here just reminded me of the verse of the words of jesus when he said i go and prepare a place for you that where i am there ye may be also uh in my father's house are many mentions uh, he, he says uh, in john there, gospel of john and so there is uh there is something to look forward to, and I'm just going to quickly flip back to Revelation and look at a few verses that give just a bit more description to what we have to look forward to. In, uh, <clears throat> in Revelation 21, verse uh, 22, and again, we, we just break into the context. We uh, we don't really have time to read all the context here of, of heaven, but uh, he says, "There's I saw no temple there for the Lamb, for the Lord God Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple of it. The sun had no need, the, the city had no need for the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of the God did lighten it, and the and the Lamb is the light thereof." Uh, just descriptions of what we have to look forward to. Uh, we go down, uh, well let's notice verse 27, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know the, uh, we're in this world and, and, uh, maybe we sometimes, uh, we should have, if we don't. But maybe we should have the, uh, the the testimony that Lot had, that he vexed himself with the unrighteous deeds of the wicked. I forget how he would said it. But you know, our souls should be vexed as we go through this life, and and we we you know we rub shoulders with a with an evil world. We you know we they have all their stuff. They try to push in front of us, and all those kind of things, and And uh, this kingdom, this world, this place that we have to look forward to, that's all going to be missing. It's going to be gone. It's not going to be there. Well, glory, that would be a blessing, wouldn't it? Just that alone. But then there's all these other things. Verse uh, chapter 22, And he showed unto me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of this... Street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life bearing 12 manner of fruits yielding her fruit every month the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations there shall be no more curse there but the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads and there'll be no night there no need for a candle neither light of the sun for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Just a picture of uh, the eternity, the eternal kingdom that uh, we have all the reason to have hope and to look forward to if we uh, are a believer. So as we are here now in this present world and this present situation and we don't know, you know, uh, we don't know what the future holds. It's very much of a changing world. And the scene just changes, yeah, so rapidly. Um, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what the present is going to be tomorrow and the next day, next year. We have a hope. We have a kingdom that we're expecting. We have a, a future with the Lord uh, if we, in fact, are walking with the Lord in this life. We have a hope beyond here. All right, let's move on. Uh, I'd like to talk just a little bit about hope in infirmities, and we'll look at Paul's testimony regarding this, second Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians. <coughs> Hope in infirmities. We'll break in in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12. And Paul is giving his testimony. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he, the Lord, said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. <clears throat> so that was Paul's testimony uh, in his situation. Uh, he called it, an, uh, well, it the, the thing that was troubling him. He, he, I don't know that he necessarily calls that an infirmity, but he says I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and so on. But I'd like to think about uh, the word infirmities shows up a number of, several times in Scripture. And uh, I'd like to think about it on two different levels. Uh, first of all, uh, well, let, let, let me give first the definition of the word infirmities. It's, it's simply it's want of strength. Uh, you're lacking strength. You're lacking uh, capacity. You're lacking what you need. You're lacking health. You're lacking uh, vitality. Uh, it's uh, weakness, it's, uh, yeah, it could be a, a physical affliction, it could be many things. So infirmity is the idea of lacking strength, not having what is needed for the moment, not having what is needed, uh, you know, uh, and I like to think about it in, in two different aspects, and one of it being physically, our body, you know, lacking strength. And then secondly, our soul, you know, uh, you know perhaps uh, a a sense of uh lacking in understanding god and his truths and his concepts and his purposes and his plans sensing a lack of of uh, sufficiency there uh perhaps it's uh sensing a lack of of uh of being useful to the Lord and and ha- making a positive contribution to the kingdom and to the work and all those kind of things. Uh maybe it's a, a sensing a lack of strength and grace to to overcome temptations and to live a victorious life and to to be able to uh thwart off the arrows of the devil, the enemy as he throws them at us and tries to trip us up. Uh, maybe it's a, a sense of, 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 uh, a lack of strength and energy, uh, and courage for the, the, the difficulties of life, uh, that happen to come our way. You know, uh, just whatever life meted out to you. And there's a sense of, uh, weakness and, and need in, in those various areas. So is there a place of hope when we are facing infirmities, when we are feeling weak and lacking strength? Is there a place of hope or are we, is there such a thing as hopelessness? Is there such a thing as life situations being hopeless? In Hebrews, we have uh, an encouragement regarding that. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. And uh, maybe we could say, let us hold fast our hope. Our profession. Our profession is a profession of hope. Our profession is a profession of expectation of good. Uh, in, 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 as we walk with God. Hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched uh, with the feeling of our infirmities. And, and in short, what that is saying, he is not out of our reach. He, is, he, he can be touched. He, is, he has not put himself in a place where he can't be touched in his own heart. Uh, it, several ways we could look at that. But he, uh, he is touched. Uh, our infirmities, our difficulties do reach him. But was in all points tempted like as we are and yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So as we face infirmities, difficulties, a sense of need, not having what is needed for the hour, for the moment, whatever it is in life, he is touched with our infirmities. He was in all points tempted like as we are. He walked the pathway before us. And He invites us to come. As it says here boldly. To come. And I believe that boldly, that doesn't mean arrogantly. But it means to come without shame. To come without hesitation. To not falter in coming. But to come uh, just And just cast ourselves at his feet and make our requests known and bear our hearts to him, bear our burdens to him, because he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He is touched with the areas of our pain. He is touched with the things that are touching us. And there will be things like that in life that are touching us, that are Painful that are difficult that are uncertain that we can come, and uh, he is touched with our feelings of infirmity let 's uh, turn over to Romans chapter eight in Romans eight verse eighteen <clears throat> And there's there's a, a good bit here that we should try to look at, but we'll break in in verse 18. It says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And that's a good thought right there. As we are facing infirmities, as we are facing difficulties, as we are facing uh, uh, unexpected in our lives, as we are facing situations that... We're helpless to change. This verse speaks to us very much. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, the here and the now, when you put them in equation or put them on the scale with the future, the, the thing just tips way off. The, other, the sufferings just end up being small compared to the glory on the other side of the trial. And then he goes on here for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also should shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of light. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth together in pain until now. And I don't, uh, I don't claim to understand exactly what he's all saying there. Uh, he talks about creatures and and the whole creation groaning and travailing, and and I guess we would have to say that uh, this curse of sin affects everything, affects even the you know the, the animals and all those kind of things, and the and the entire creation is groaning and travailing to be delivered. And now, and not only they but ourselves also, in verse twenty three, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now <clears throat> just stop there and make a few comments. Again, the subject of hope is very much in these verses and the idea that, uh, you know, if we would actually, you know, uh, let's use the little boy again in the illustration of the salvation of his father. He is sitting in a posture of hope, confident expectation. But the moment his father is converted, the hope is realized and it's done. He's no longer sitting in hope because it's realized. It's reality. And that's what he's saying here in this scripture That uh, uh, we are saved by hope. In other words, we are sitting here in this present, in this world, in this life. There's a salvation to come when we will be be redeemed out of this world. And and it's not, uh, we're not talking about uh, the new birth here, but talking about the, as he talked there about the creation and groaning and travailing will be removed from this body, from this uh, limitations of this flesh, from this uh, limitations of this present evil world and will be uh, uh, taken into another uh, reality, which is the kingdom. And that, uh, uh, well, uh, if that hope were realized, we wouldn't be hoping for it anymore. There, we, you can't hope for something that you already have. But hope is only a valid subject when there's something out there to anticipate. And so that's where we find ourselves right now. We, are, uh, we, are, uh, we should be as believers, we should be in a posture of hope uh, as we await the, the, uh, the continuing revelation of God's plan and will as, he, as things unfold and eventually our Lord comes back and, and, or we die and go to be with the Lord, whichever comes first. <clears throat> but anyhow, we, uh, we, but if we hope for that, we see not. We don't see it yet. It's not yet reality. We're hoping for it and we wait with patience for it. And then he goes on and says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so we have the picture. Uh, we have the picture here. uh." And the picture is given of being in a place of a bit of distress, a bit of difficulty, a bit of uncertainty, a bit of trial, uh, and maybe even quite a bit of trial. And, and so much so that uh, uh, sometimes we might not even know how to pray, as it says here. We, uh, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. And I suppose we've, probably most of us at some point have found ourselves in a place like that. Where you were experiencing something of such a depth that you didn't even know how to pray. You didn't even know quite how to utter what was going on in your heart and experience. And at a time like that, it really doesn't matter. Because the Spirit of God understands and interprets those groanings, those tears, those travails before God. And it doesn't matter if you don't know how to say it. It doesn't matter if you don't know how to express it. The Spirit of God is right there to interpret it and to take it to God. As we as we find ourselves in these situations, in the reality of life, while we are waiting with a confident expectation, but for right now, there is a difficulty that we have to find our way through. And the spirit of God gives us uh, gives us the uh, is our interpreter to god as we as we endeavor to express our hearts and let 's include the next verse, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose in that very same context we have this verse that we often. Pull out and use, uh, and it's okay. But think about it again. Think about being in this present, in today, in that difficulty, in that uncertainty, in that uh, infirmity, that sickness, that death in the family, that uh, uh, sudden uh, diagnosis that the doctor gave. That storm that took out the, the 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 barn or the house or the that that you know that accident that you had you know, you could put a, you could put a whole host of things in there uh, that uh, that difficult situation that you're facing at work uh, with that coworker or or you know you could just you could put anything in there you want and it's a difficulty. It's real to you. First of all, know this, that your uh, your Jesus can be touched with the feelings of your infirmities. He is touched with your infirmities. So he's right here with you as you are in that difficult situation. Know that. Be assured of that. Um, and as you find yourself there, be assured that even if you uh, find yourself in a place where you hardly even know how to pray about it, The Spirit of God will interpret your groanings to God. And then, can we be assured of this? That all things do work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Can we be assured? Can we allow our hearts to grasp on to that kind of faith? That whatever it is, right now, no matter how difficult, this situation... God will work it out for good doesn't necessarily mean he'll work it out the way I want it worked out. But in his, in his scope of, of, uh, of, uh, the kingdom and his economy, it, he will work it out for good, uh, for, for well-being. And, uh, I guess, I think I would give just a little illustration. that. Uh, We don't always, you know, some of us are sitting and we're right here now. And sometimes you get to this side and you look back and you realize how God worked it out. Um, Perhaps I think I'm going to pass on the illustration I was going to use. I said in the beginning I wasn't going to use personal illustrations. <laughs> For a moment I thought I might. All right, uh, but uh, to be assured that as we find ourselves in those situations, that God can. And you know, if we if we uh, if we have that kind of expectation, if we have that kind of a, if we can look at that verse at face value, we can have hope. We can have hope in you know, in really any situation. And I must say, I wonder if I know what I'm saying when I say that. Um, but we can have hope that God will continue to work and is, is working, is working even currently when we, when we don't understand it. All right. Like to, uh, so we've talked about hope in infirmities. like to talk a little bit about hope for the faint. Uh, we were there in Hebrews 12. Let's go back to that again. Hebrews 12. We have this encouragement here in verse 1 and 2. Also, verse 3, I already read it, but we'll just refresh ourselves a little bit on it. We're, we're exhorted here to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, to run with patience the race that is set before us. So as uh, we've just looked, at, or in the scripture, we have Hebrews 11 just, just before this text. And then in, the, in that context, we have this encouragement given in the context of Hebrews 11, that we are to uh, lay aside the weights and the sins which beset us and to run the race with patience that's set before us. And uh, like we said, we don't know what the journey always holds. um, But to run that race with patience, we have Jesus given as the example in verse 2. And then in verse 3, we are told to consider him, Jesus, Jesus, that endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself to consider the, the difficulties that Jesus faced to consider the trials that Jesus faced, to take those things in, equ- in equation as we look at our own lives experiences, lest lest we become wearied and faint in our minds. and so I 'd like to talk about hope for the faint a bit. <clears throat> There is a there is a temptation in the middle of hard times in life to become weary and faint. There is that that temptation is very very real. Um, it's that's the reality of life. And uh, but this scripture is warning us about that. And uh, it goes on then and talks about. Uh, not despising the chastening of the Lord and not to faint when we are rebuked of Him. In verse 5, it goes on down through there and talks about chastening. And uh, verse 11, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And then we come to verse 12, wherefore lift up the feeble Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. And so we have all those encouragements about uh, becoming faint, our hands hanging down, becoming weak in our knees. Uh, just... Becoming lame, you know, and it's 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 a picture of our spiritual condition, you know, becoming just faltering and and barely being able to keep going, and 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 whatever's in front of us or whatever we find ourselves in the middle of, we we, we, we maybe it feels like the water is over our heads and we can hardly keep our head above the water anymore to get get oxygen, you know, those kind of things. That's the picture that this gives us, uh, gives us a picture of of difficulties and and so forth and he encourages us here that uh uh let it rather be healed uh, in other words if if we're in 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 if the present where we find ourselves at the moment or next week the present whatever you find yourself in then if you find yourself in a place where your 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 uh your Spiritual life is what is described here. Uh, your, uh, your hands are hanging down. You're giving up. You're, you feel like there's no reason to press on. Uh, the, the hope is, is vanishing in your own heart. If that's where we find ourselves, that's not a good place to be, according to this scripture. And uh, it warns us about being in that place. It's... It's not a good place to be. And and we'll want to follow through this context a little bit and understand more why that is. Uh, It's not a good place to be. Let it rather be healed. Uh, Find find, uh, uh, help for your situation. Let it rather be healed. Verse 14, he says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest, verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. We have the example of Esau brought in there um, in this context. And uh you know, we talk about we talk about being uh, uh weak, our hands hanging down, faint, uh weary in heart and mind, feeling like giving up, uh feeling perhaps like uh I'm in an impossible situation. Uh, the situation I'm in is just in, too incredibly difficult to deal with and to handle with. And it's just no use. I press through it. It's just no use. I continue to, to, to seek God for the grace and strength to, to walk through this uh, victoriously. Uh, if we find ourselves in that place, there's a danger that we'll do what Esau did. You know, Esau... I, I, don't, uh, I didn't go back into the Old Testament there to examine Esau's experience there a lot. I'm going more by memory. But we know that he was out, out hunting and he came back with nothing and he was hungry. How long was he out? I don't know. How hungry was he? I don't know. He, did, he didn't have a McDonald's to stop at on his way home like you do. Uh, in fact, he didn't even have an electric cook stove to... to uh, you know, quick throw something on the skillet and, and, and fry it and eat it. He, he, you know, I don't know how long it had been since he'd eaten right. And, uh, and I don't know how long it would have taken him to get something stirred up and, and get himself some food. We don't know those things. I don't know what his uh, situations were. But it's possible that, uh, it's possible that he was actually really hungry. It's possible that he was actually really, really hungry. And hadn't eaten in a while and in that moment of time in his present experience there was few things that were more uh, uh, that were more on his mind than something to eat and and these hunger pangs perhaps and this faintness that was uh, settling in on his body because he hadn't eaten in a while and in that moment in a desire to escape those hunger pangs in that moment in a desire to escape the the uh the faintness of his, of his body and all that, he was willing, he was willing to give his birthright as a trade-off so that he could escape that, those hunger pangs and whatever, whatever was all going on there. And that's the situation that we are warned about in our spiritual lives. If we are, if we are finding ourselves in a place where our hands are hanging down and our knees are faint weak and we're we 're stumbling and we're hard, we hardly can keep our head above the water and it seems like it's hardly worth it and uh it seems like there's no hope for my situation and it seems like this situation that the Lord has allowed in my life is impossible and and uh and it's just you know there's a danger that when we 're in a place like that and you know life' situations are um, you know v- there are a multitude of variations and uh but there's a danger when we're in a place like that that we might at that moment we finally decide to trade off the pain and whatever is involved in our situation and uh, uh for a for some quick uh some in some quick rash move we make a we we try to escape the pain only to discover later that it was a totally bad move it was a totally uh we 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 created ourselves a situation that we wish we'd have never created, but how do you go back? How do you retract your retrace your steps and that's the danger in when we are in a situation where we are you know faint in mind and weak in heart and <clears throat> and uh, i I guess I would have to say that this has Probably happened multiple times uh, in people's lives. Uh, when, and particularly, I'm going to say I've noticed it in situations where um, church difficulties existed. And, and, and the, the, uh, the situations become so painful that people just, they want out of it. They went away from it. And they make a move. They make a quick move. They make a rash move. And unfortunately, many times, those moves are moves that result in... I guess I would... I would like... I I guess I I would like to think not everybody would always want to end up where they end up at when they make those kind of moves. But... uh, so the uh, the the warning there is that that we like Esau uh in order to escape our present situation whatever it is in order to escape that situation we make a rash move and we esteem something lightly something that you know uh could have been years of god's working in our lives uh, you know i think of people uh, uh, the The examples are as various as the as they come, but you know I, I think of people particularly at the moment I'm thinking of people who've come from uh, uh sometimes really worldly situations, have come into uh a more conservative or even an Anabaptist expression of faith and uh in the beginning stages those things are lovely and beautiful and glorious and grand and some years into it the realization is that these people are normal people, these people have faults, these people have failures, these people don't do everything right. And in a moment's time people uh at times become disheartened, become the hands begin to hang down, become weak in the knees, they they make a rash move. They 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 Despise all those things that God was teaching them in years, and go right back uh, the pathway they came from. And that perhaps that illustration isn't really uh, pertinent to any of us here. I don't know, but perhaps it's more on the level of our own personal lives, where uh, as we walk with God, as we uh, as we walk in the journey and uh and the difficulties that come our way, and the temptation to uh to want a quick escape to want an easy out, and like esau to to throw something to disregard something important just for the sake of getting uh, getting uh you know, getting some food, you know, getting something to stop these hunger pangs, getting some some respite from the what I'm feeling at the moment. <clears throat> so that's the encouragement there for the faint to be uh to not be rash, to not be uh make a move that later is regret it, but to uh To continue or to find, uh, to find hope in our situations. And I'd like to, I, we, we don't have a lot of time to examine this, but I'd like to just take a few moments yet. And, uh, so let's just consider our, our present situation. I don't know what yours is. You don't know what mine is, but we all find ourselves in some journey. And whatever that situation is, the first step is to search. For appropriate responses to the present circumstances. Search, uh, let's see, I think there's a scripture I wanted to look at here. See if I have that. Okay. not sure if this is the one not here that I was wanting here in Hebrews or not, but uh, it talks about uh, uh, let it uh, let it not be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Um, I don't think that is quite the context, but the idea is this. I believe I failed to write a verse down here, but. First of all, we are in our present circumstances. Secondly, to search for appropriate responses to the present circumstances. And the scripture is full of them. You know, appropriate responses to given situations. And the end result will be fruit to the glory of God. And there was a scripture that indicated that, but I don't have it here. And then I'd like to take our minds just a little bit further. We don't have time to explore each one. But you could put a lot we could put a lot of different things in here that we haven't put there yet. Uh, You know, we could put our relationship with the Lord in here, which we did talk about that in in some ways. Uh, If it's growing distant, if it's growing cold, if it's, you know, if we are growing lukewarm in our journey with God. You know, that's our present experience. Search for the appropriate responses to that present situation. There are appropriate responses. There are scriptural responses to that kind of a situation. Search for them and respond to it. And the end result will be that you will see fruit to the glory of God. You know, it could be it could be that you find yourself in a besetting sin. Something that just comes up time and again in your experience. Search the scriptures for appropriate responses. There are responses for that too. There are ways to respond to that. And to find solutions and to find answers and to find and to have uh, uh, results of fruit uh, in the end. You know, perhaps there could be uh, a husband and a wife here whose relationship is under stress and under strain and under, uh, you know, whatever. Whatever happens in those relationships uh, at times, perhaps. There's scriptural responses to that. Search for them. Find those answers. And uh, and perhaps there's... Uh, uh children and parents and their relationships and, and their interaction that uh is under stress and has been you know not what it should have been and been hurt for or whatever and and uh search again uh search for appropriate responses in those situations. <clears throat> I'd like to uh conclude now with first Peter. Don't remember if we actually read these verses or not, but uh, I think we may have. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, uh, i going to read verse 3 to 9. Blessed be, the Lord, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Talking about the present, perhaps. That the trial of your faith, being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your salvation, the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So I'd like to conclude with that scripture. It kind of sums up, actually, what we've talked about. um, That um, confident expectation in God, uh, a lively hope, that we have an inheritance that we're looking forward to. Even though in the moment perhaps we're facing, uh, like it says here, a trial of our faith. Uh, we're in heaviness through manifold temptations. But realizing that the trial of our faith is more precious than gold. And that uh, in the end, verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And that is that is, without a doubt, I trust that is our expectation and our hope, uh, the salvation of our souls and uh, being transported into that eternal kingdom. Perhaps those who are able could kneel together and we could just close with a word of prayer. Our Father, we bow in your presence here at the close of these thoughts that we've been discussing and again ask Father that you would bless each heart here today that these uh, things that have been shared might somehow have been a stepping stone in the journey that uh, courage could rise again in hearts that may have been faint that uh, your spirit would have ministered to us according to our needs. Thank you for each one present. And Lord, may you be pleased to continue to uh, nurture us in your kingdom purposes. And would you continue to give us understanding of how we can best represent you and your kingdom in this world, this present evil world that we live in. So again, Father, we commit our, our lives to you, our ways to you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for... Jesus and salvation that he has purchased at Calvary. Thank you that it is available to us, that we can be partakers of it. And Father, thank you again for your mercy and grace that is extended to us day by day. Bless each one, we pray, and keep us in your care in Jesus' name. Amen.